0: So, Happy New Year's Eve, right? Is that no? Is that a thing? Well, it's a thing now. I have to, um, I have to confess. You guys know I like to be honest up here, uh, to be real. Um, I consider myself somewhat of a New Year's Eve Scrooge. It's not, and it's not so much that I don't like New Year's Eve. It's not so much that I, I don't I despise this celebration. Um, it's just that I don't usually make such a big deal of it. I, I don't make it a, a big deal. And it's not right. I'm not standing here and saying I'm better than you because this is really not a big deal. I should be better. It's not right. It's, it, it, is, it is a big deal. Um, and I should be better. The thing is that I just start, as New Year's Eve approaches, I just start thinking about all the see you next year jokes. Right? See you next year, and it's like eleven o'clock at night, and that's you know that's an hour from now, or on January first, people are saying, oh, so hungry. I haven't eaten since last year, and then somebody else says, I haven't showered since last year, and it just goes on and on. And you're just like, oh, every year, every year, and and I never. I never know this is uh, this is honest all right I never know when to stop after the new year after the clock strikes midnight I don't know when to stop saying happy new year to people like I haven't seen them and it's been a couple like is it on January 2nd that you stop saying happy new year hey happy new year is it after a week is it after 2 weeks I cuz I'll go on until February if you if you let me cuz I just I don't know when to stop. So it's a lot of th- stuff to think about. But I am, I am a resolutions kind of person. Now, you may not like resolutions, and that's OK. That's OK as well. But I find it, I find it fun to challenge myself each year. And I'm OK with, if, with not reaching those goals. Um, you know, you may call it failure. I call it just move it to your bucket list. Or move it to the next year, like JP, he moves it to his, to his bucket list, you know? Um, but before resolutions, before we start making plans for next year, top five, top three things I want to do this year financially, you know, all these goals that I have, all these, you know, weight loss goals that a lot of us have, that's one of the bucket list things for me, right? <laughs> um, all these goals that I have, uh, before resolutions, I'd like to challenge each and every one of us here, to enter 2018 just completely wrapped in his presence. And that's what I want to talk about today. And, and to know that being wrapped in his presence isn't a one-time thing. It's not you know just January 1st. But it's, it's a way to live, wrapped in his presence. It's a way to, to respond to one another and react, wrapped in his presence. And it's a way to persevere. <laughs> Through, through dark times, through tr- troubles and tribulations, wrapped in his presence. Let me pray. Father, thank you for all that you are. Thank you for all of us that are here. Um, and God, I just thank you that your presence is real, that your Holy Spirit is real, and your promises endure forever. And I pray, God, that you speak to and through me this morning, God, and that I speak wrapped in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, the scripture that Pastor JP just read this morning, what, like, what is going on? What is the context of that scripture, of John 16, 33? Well, this verse, this scripture is, is some very important, it's part of some very important dialogue that Jesus had with his disciples. And it's dialogue that lots of Christians and scholars have oftentimes referred to as the upper room dialogue. Because it took place in someone in the upper room of someone's house, and lots of important things usually happen in upper rooms, um, meetings and things like that. Now, this is Jesus's final earthly meeting with his disciples. His final gathering, his final meeting with his disciples. After this, right after this, um, Jesus, the, the upper room dialogue. Jesus is betrayed. He is. Taken to trial, he's beaten, and eventually crucified. Now, this entire upper room dialogue begins in chapter 13 of the book of John, and it goes all the way through 18. In chapter 13, it begins with, uh, in this upper room, he washes his disciples' feet. A lot of us are pretty familiar with this. He washes his disciples' feet. And then after that, he predicts his betrayal, and then he predicts that Peter's going to deny him right three times. And then he tells them that he's leaving them, I'm leaving, and he comforts his disciples. And then Jesus tells them that he is the way to the Father, and then he promises his Holy Spirit. And then we come to today's passage. I have told you these things, he says, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Trouble meaning pressure, affliction, anguish, burdens, persecution, and tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world, Jesus says. Now in the very next chapter, the very next chapter, chapter 17, Jesus prays, he he, he speaks to the Father, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for all believers. And in the chapter after that, chapter 18, if you're following along, everything Jesus predicted begins to happen, beginning with his betrayal. So this is the context of what's going on in, in, this, in this verse. So now, what is the context going on in our lives right now? What is our current context right now? Well, last Sunday was Christmas Eve. We had two services here. We had three services at night. I had services in North Andover. It was Christmas Eve. It was the night that, oh, the day that we celebrated the last evening of anticipation before our beloved Savior was born. The incarnate God came to us in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. And today, one week later, seven days later, I'm talking about Jesus' last earthly moments with his disciples. His last earthly meeting. And some of you may be thinking, too soon, Javi. Javi. Like you you escalated things way too quickly. It's not even Easter, buddy. Slow down. Way to darken the mood, Javi. Well, I see this verse and the entire upper room dialogue as God's faithfulness to us. Because his promises have endured. His presence in my life has helped me to endure. And and during a week when we've been wrapping presents for our loved one, for our loved ones, we should never forget that we can, we can be wrapped by his presence, especially heading into the new year. No matter the pressure, the affliction, anguish, no matter the burdens, the, the persecution, the tribulation, no matter the six-degree weather outside and this dry air. Jesus' presence helps us take heart, be courageous, and helps us to overcome. Because he has overcome. In this world, you will have trouble. Not, Not that you might have trouble. Not perhaps there's a possibility or a chance that you will have trouble. No, he says you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world this reminds me of when my boys are fighting. And usually one of them um, just goes into this um, like psychotic rage and starts running after the other one, running after the, the instigator, usually. And and so one of them desperately runs toward me, finds refuge, and, and embraces me. Because he knows that what's standing between him and an imminent violence imminent rage, craziness, is his daddy. He knows that I will soothe him when he's hurt. And he knows that the best position for survival is daddy wrapping his arms around him. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I have always considered myself to be a, a pretty prepared person in my life, kind of ready for, for anything. I'm ready, like, if anything happens, like, I'm quick to react. It's something that my wife usually appreciates. Sometimes, you know, she'll freeze. and I'm like, honey, he's going to faint, right? And I, and I go and I, I, go, I catch him and I have those dad reflexes. Um, and so I consider myself pretty prepared. Because my dad, my dad, and this is true, growing up, he always had this little phrase that he said to us all the time. It's one of those phrases that as your parents mouth it off, they say it so many times, in your head, you're like rolling your eyes, and you're, in your head, you're like, you're, you're mouthing it off as he says it. It's like, I know, dad, I know, mom. So this is what he always said. Ready for this? Expect the unexpected. Always. And my parents were just here not long ago. They just left on December 7th because of Hurricane Maria. They were staying with with myself, with with us and with my brother splitting time. And while they were here for two and a half months, my my siblings and I, especially my brother, would just kind of like always, hey Javi, expect the unexpected. And my dad doesn't he doesn't get it. He's like, Goods. That's true. Because we like you gotta you gotta mess with your parents. Right? It's it's the form of flattery of love right and so we're always like hey remember expect the and he's right there expect the unexpected he's like i did good in this world i prepared you but he said this all the time all the time going out with my friends before i leave i leave the, the, the walk out the door javi yeah dad i know what's coming expect the unexpected okay yes dad going out food shopping with my mom as we're pulling out of the driveway, he'll come out and watch us from the porch he goes, Expect the unexpected. Hey Dad. Going to bed at night. Expect the unexpected. I can't sleep. I'm Thirty-eight years old and I it takes me forever to fall asleep, Dad. It's why it's why I don't like this is this is true. It's why I don't like sitting with my back to a door or a window if I go somewhere. If I go to a restaurant. <laughs> Laugh it up, but it is true. <laughs> and if I do, I'm just like I'm kind of on edge. I'm always like looking around. And it's probably why I always think again, true, that someone is someone is out to kill me. Like some hitman <laughs> is out there. Uh, maybe in the kindergarten, I stole a crayon, and he shows up, and it's, you know they have this movie line, and they find me, color this! They have that movie line, and, and it's like, this is it, I knew it. It's, I'm always suspicious, just suspicious of people. Don't take it personal, Fernando. It's okay, I, just, I can't see your hands, so... <laughs> And it's why I'm quick to react when things happen. True story. Basketball was coming toward me. I was in high school. And it was making a beeline straight to my My brother shot the basketball. I'm playing um, with my my little cousin, my little cousin, about two years old. And a basketball was coming straight toward my face. And so some of you students might remember this story. That's why they're laughing already. And the basketball was coming straight toward my face. I quickly reacted. I grabbed my two-year-old cousin and blocked the basketball with her head, with the back of her head. And to this day, my, my brother hasn't let, he doesn't let that go. And so I say, expect the unexpected. I will do things that you will not expect. But she was fine. She was a big girl. She's, she was two years old. Um, she cried. And my brother like, was so upset with me. But true story, now she's getting ready to graduate from the Massachusetts, Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Services. And she's taking some courses at Harvard. You're welcome, Grace. <laughs> You're welcome. So as much as, as my dad prepared me to, um, to be prepared for anything, even the unexpected as much as he prepared me for all these things nothing nothing could have prepared me for the troubles of 2017 for myself and my family nothing now i'm i'm really not the type of guy to to talk about how year has been good or bad successful or difficult etc i've always looked at that as a way to place blame or uh, as a way of scapegoating. And toward the end of 2016, so last year, I had tons of friends who, who constantly, friends and family, who constantly mentioned how badly they wanted 2016 to be over. Like, oh, 2016, you have been horrible. You've been horrible. Go away and how badly they wanted 2017 to arrive. Oh my gosh, I can't go away, 2016. You've been horrible, 2016. You took away Gary Shandling, David Bowie, Nancy Reagan, Patty Duke, Debbie Reynolds, Prince. You took away Carrie Fisher, Muhammad Ali, Alan Rickman, Florence Henderson. Go away. And so people were, like, mentioning all this stuff, and it's like placing this blame on 2016. And so what did I do? I judged. I privately judged those who made 2016 be the bad guy, be the the villain of their sorrows or their story. I said, it's just a year, folks. It's just a set of months, a set of days, a set of hours, seconds to help us keep track of time for reference or for remembrance. It's not a thing. It's not a boogeyman or a bad guy. And then 2017 came. Wow. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, that I started to reminisce with my wife about this this year, 2017. And we've never done this before. We don't usually sit down and think about how the year has been, because we just we just never done it. But a couple of weeks before that, I had multiple people tell me, wow, you've had a rough year. just Because things just kept piling up. Wow, oh, man, you, you've, you guys have really had a rough year. What a rough, terrible year you've had. And so that got me thinking. Mm-hmm. It got me thinking, something that I don't usually do. Um, I, said, I, said, I said, wow, like this year has been probably the most difficult year in my family, in, in ministry, and in health. And I'm not going to go into uh, all the details, because I don't want this to, to just become like my sob story. I did that last time I preached, right? <laughs> but early on this year, early on, beginning in February, tragedies just began piling up, piling up, piling up. And here in the office, I, I said to someone, I jokingly said, because this person said, "Wow, it's 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 been a rough couple of weeks, rough couple of months, a oh, rough month for you." And I said, "Wow." This person said, "It's like." It's it's like how are you are you okay are you being strong? I said, bring it on. And I gotta tell you, it got brought. <laughs> and I realize that that's bad grammar, um, but don't judge me because it's been a rough year. <laughs> so even though my dad told me. To expect the unexpected in life, a heart can only take so much, right? I did all that was humanly possible to, to maintain sanity, to maintain focus, optimism, and health this entire year. I struggled so much to be strong, but I got tired. I grew weary. It's like I couldn't, I couldn't anymore. I felt, I felt so beaten up that my faith was fading so fast until I realized that I was doing too much. I was doing too much. I was trying to be strong, trying to be a strong one for my family. I was trying to, to, to be courageous and, and take it all upon myself and be that, that, that man that says, like, you know, give it to me. Give me the troubles. I'll carry these burdens. You know, leave my family alone. I was fighting back tears even when I was alone in my car. Even when I was alone in my car, I was fighting back tears, trying to be strong, when nobody was watching, when it's a good time to cry. And I said, I realized I'm not my own savior. I'm not my own savior. I can't overcome everything on my own. I can't. None of us can. I was, I was fighting back when, when all I needed to do was desperately run toward him, find refuge in him, and feel his embrace, like my son. It took me pulling over one day off of 114 and allowing Jesus to heal my heart and give me peace It was a good cry, folks. And as my buddy Tom says, sometimes you need a good cry. And he even schedules his cries, which is kind of weird, but (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) We'll edit that part out. And what a relief it was. What comfort and and what peace I received immediately, knowing that what what stood between me and imminent violence imminent rage, darkness in this world, is my heavenly daddy. Knowing that he'll soothe me when I'm hurt. Knowing the best position for survival is my heavenly daddy wrapping his arms and embracing me. The promise of Jesus' Holy Spirit to his disciples is the, in the midst of their troubles and anxiety because he said, I'm leaving. And troubles are coming. And they already had troubles that promise to his disciples of the Holy Spirit is the same promise for all of us here today. It's the same one. And I realize that there are so many verses, so many verses that we can find in the Bible of God's comfort, of seeking refuge in in him, of him being our strong tower, of him healing us, protecting us. I realize that. But this one, This one, to me, in my current context, in our current context, really ministered to me for this, for today, as we wrap up this year. Because again, we just celebrated God with us, and now I'm talking about his last earthly moments with us. Because just like recently, it was cold outside, we were going somewhere, and we're getting in the car, I get in first because I'm tired of waiting. And I'm like, Gabriel, stop kicking the snow. It's freezing. Get in the car. Okay, fine. So I jump in the car to turn it on and warm it up. And as he sees this, he starts freaking out. And his eye there's fear in his face because he thinks I'm going to leave him. And he wrote that out. So he's pulling on the door. I get out and I help him in. And he's like, I thought you were going to leave me. I said, buddy, I've told you this before. I never leave you never leave you. I said, you need to remember that. Mommy and daddy are never going to leave you. You Help me to not leave him in the (laughs) parking lot or in the store or something. But he got really afraid. And so even though Jesus was saying, I am leaving you, but not fully because I'm leaving my Holy Spirit with you. He's not really, he hasn't left us. He hasn't really left us even though it may seem like it sometimes, even though maybe you're going through something really difficult or you're getting over something real difficult, tragedies have struck your family, have struck you, your health, your finances, your spirituality, anything. God has not left you. And his promises have endured. You can endure if you're wrapped in his presence. Find that position. Don't try to be your own savior. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What better comfort, assurance, what better security, hope, confidence than to know that Jesus has overcome the world. That we just need to keep the faith. That in his presence we have victory. That in his presence we have peace. In his presence... He can heal us. And as we close out this year, my my prayer again is that we all enter it completely wrapped in His presence. And when troubles come our way, that we will run to Him. We will rest in Him and we will depend on Him. Again, Jesus has told us these things so that in Him, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. God bless you.